0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 899 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Hi there, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip daily today's tip is an excerpt from the horse.com's weekly horse health report on the horses in the morning show the horse.com digital editor christy west and dr dr jones join the hit crew for an informative yet entertaining chat about how vaccines work and we'll get right to our tip after this message from kentucky performance products
0: Hi, Glenn Geek here from the Horse Radio Network, and I'm here with Karen from Kentucky Performance Products with a sensible supplementing tip of the week. Karen, this week we're talking about senior horses, and actually this is a two-parter. We're going to talk about senior horses this week that cannot keep weight on, have trouble maintaining weight. And next week we're going to talk about the ones who don't have any trouble keeping weight on. That'd be like me. Oh, I don't have any <laughs> trouble with that at all. So, so what do we, uh, why do horses, especially seniors, have trouble maintaining weight?
2: Well, I, you know, senior horses are horses that are, you know, 18 years of age or older, and that may change after a while because, you know, we're doing such a good job of keeping our horses healthy these days, that they're just living longer and longer all the time. It used to be you never heard about a 30-year-old horse, and now it's becoming the norm. So it's really important that, you know, we have some ways to keep these horses going and, and as they get older so that they don't have to just all turn into pasture ornaments. Um, one of the big problems with an older horse um, that may be losing weight is they've, they've lost, they have a reduced ability to absorb nutrients from the diet. And that can be caused from, you know, a lifetime of exposure to parasites or just any kind of damaging event to the gastrointestinal tract. And even with the stringent deworming schedules and things we have, there, there usually still is some damage, um, from parasites. So that's something that may cause a horse to stop losing weight, but also sometimes they'll have, Um, less of an an appetite. Um, So you need to keep their appetite stimulated. Um, The first thing I want to say is if you have a horse that's losing weight, the first thing you need to do is get your vet involved and get your horse completely checked out. Make sure there isn't some underlying problem for them um, that could be fixed um, medically. And also you should have a dentist come and, and check your horse's teeth. We talk to a lot of people on the phone, and most people are really aware of having an equine dentist routinely. But there are some people that have never thought about it, so it's important to get their teeth checked. Um, sometimes, if you have a horse that's losing weight, it's just because they can't chew well enough. And if you get your equine dentist in, and they fix those hooks and, and flatten out any spots where the teeth aren't coming together properly, that will that will solve your problem. Okay. So that's those are two of the main things you should look at right away, even before you start thinking about supplements. The second thing that you need to do is make sure that your horse is getting enough high quality fiber. And again, a lot of people, you know, don't understand that a horse needs one and a half to two percent of their body weight a day in hay. And one percent of that should be in some kind of long stemmed fiber, either hay or pasture. So if you have a thousand pound horse, that's 20 pounds of hay. So 10 pounds of that could be in, in grass and 10 pounds of that could be in hay. Um, well, it, would, it wouldn't be 10 pounds in grass. It would be 10 pounds of grass equivalent of dry matter. So that would be a lot of grass. That would be you know, half a day of grazing on a, on a really good pasture. But you want to be sure that they have plenty of good fiber. Um, that keeps their digestive tract healthy, and, if, and it keeps the microorganisms in their digestive tract healthy. And if the digestive tract tissues and microorganisms are healthy, then the horse will be able to absorb um, the maximum amount from their diet. So something that we always suggest for older horses, besides a a hay and some kind of a concentrate, um, a good senior feed fed at the recommended level would be appropriate, and, of course, electrolytes for senior horses. The other thing that you can do if you have a horse that's losing weight and you've had it checked and you know there's nothing medically wrong is to feed it a high-fat supplement. It has a lot more energy in it than your typical um, grains, cereal grains almost two times as much so that you can feed less in a meal and get more energy out of it, which is what you want to do when you have a horse that's that's um, hard to keep weight on. You certainly don't want to throw so much grain at him that that grain um, causes grain overload, which can be very damaging to the hind gut and can cause colic and laminitis. So a high-fat product will allow you to feed less so you can keep your meals smaller and it has more calories per pound so that you can get more energy into your horse.
0: For example, Karen, what, what products would we be looking at?
2: Well, we have a we have two different products that we have as high-fat products. One is EquiJoule, which is a, a high-fat stabilized rice brand. And something that you want to think about when you're looking at a, a fat supplement is you want to turn around uh, and look at the guaranteed analysis and see how much fat is offered in that product. The EquiJoule product is 20% fat. And you have to feed one to two pounds a day is the recommended dose. Um, It's it's a rice bran that is balanced for calcium and phosphorus, and rice bran typically uh, is high in phosphorus. And so you wouldn't want to feed it unless there was some kind of a calcium source added to it that balances that calcium and phosphorus ratio so that you don't have any mineral imbalances with it. So that's one that you can feed. Um, That would be for a horse that you just, you know, he was kind of a hard keeper. You wanted to reduce the amount of grain and you wanted to, to give him um, just some nice, a nice fat supplement to add some extra energy. We have another uh, product called Endure Extra. Now, this product is 50% fat. Oh,
0: wow. And you
2: only have to feed eight ounces a day. So this this product is for your real picky eaters, um, for horses that, you know, you really need to put the weight on them. Um, this product has a lot of energy in it. It also has some added... Um, flax so you're getting some omega-3s in there and it also has uh, a thousand IUs of natural vitamin E which is very important for horses that are stressed because it helps the immune system and we put um, some probiotics in there as well that will again help the digestive tract to process the feed better so if you have a horse that you're really having a lot of trouble with that's very skinny or that you're working really hard or a much older horse that's stressed due to illness, this product is a really nice product for that.
0: So the two products for with Kentucky Performance Products are EquiJewel and Endure Extra. If you're looking to put weight on your seniors, they're having trouble to keep keeping weight on. That's one way to do it. You can find all of Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com, and they have an excellent article over there too called "Choosing Supplements for Senior Horses That Have Trouble Maintaining Weight." Next week we'll be back talking about the ones who don't have any trouble maintaining weight, and they're going into their senior years, and maybe are getting a a little too chunky. So let, we'll talk about those next week.
3: Um, our <laughs> first thing we wanted to do was go through a little bit of just to how, how vaccines work, just to give us a little bit of basics for this discussion. Dr. Jones, can you talk to us a little bit about that?
4: Absolutely. Without getting too technical, there's uh, two cells: helper T cells, helper B cells, that we uh, reactivate or we activate uh, with the vaccine. So what that all means is, is they're part of the immune system of the horse's body as well as our body. And when you give a vaccine, it stimulates those cells to make antigens against or protectors against those diseases, and helps the horse fend off those diseases. If that's as simple as I can make it. Um, boosting the immune system is the whole idea. And uh, I want to just make a comment right off the back that vaccine alone, though, is not sufficient for prevention of infectious diseases. We need to do other good management practices, things like that, So, such as going to shows and not going nose-to-nose with horses that have snotty noses and um, getting your mosquito pools dumped out in the summertime like your empty bucket your buckets that are full of water that are not being used need to be dumped out old tires that might be filling up with water need to be dumped out uh, Runout areas that are filling up with water uh, need to be filled in with mud or dirt that kind of thing but that was my two cents worth it's to boost the immune system in the horse and each horse has a different level of immune system just like the humans do
5: so even right. with vaccine, are... they, can, they can get they can still get a disease. If you, but you can cut the risk of that, is what you're saying. Yes. Vaccines
4: are meant to increase the prevention, but if you don't take other risks or other prevention, the risk still will be elevated for your horse. Uh, if you live in a swamp here in Florida is my best example. When West Nile broke out, we actually had West Nile vaccine fairly quickly, which we're all blessed about having that here in the United States. When we started to vaccinate some of these horses, some were still getting the West Nile disease because they lived in the swamp, they had no barn to go into, and they were just getting covered by mosquitoes. They're age-related, they were older horses, they were younger horses, those are the ones we were seeing that were getting the disease in a severe fashion, even though they were being vaccinated.
3: So, in other words, for disease prevention, we really need to think about two different things. One is reducing the amount of challenge or exposure that your horse has to that disease by the things you're talking about, not going nose-to-nose with sick horses, reducing the mosquito pools. And then the the vaccines are just another part of that to reduce, to enable your horse to fend off whatever disease he
6: is exposed to.
4: Yes. Basically, vaccine alone in the absence of good management is not sufficient for prevention of the disease. You just can't um, rely on that vaccine. Is, right. And there, there are a ton of vaccines out there. Which
3: ones are considered to be the ones you've got to have? Which are the core vaccines?
4: The AAP has put out a uh, recommendation for all veterinarians and horse owners, and so you can go on the aap.org website to see these. But the core vaccinations are the tetanus, eastern and western equine encephalomyelitis, West Nile virus, and rabies. Reason for that, all those can't be transferred to humans, or humans not transferred to them, but humans can get them. We can get rabies from a horse. West Nile and the encephalitis um, diseases we cannot get from the horse, but we can get from the mosquitoes that have affected our horse. So if your horse is in your backyard, comes down with encephalitis, that means there are mosquitoes carrying that virus in your backyard.
3: All right. And let's talk a little bit about vaccine reactions, because that's a, a question that we get very <laughs> often. You know, does this, does, this, does this particular vaccine cause a reaction more than another one? Does this one by this company cause it more often? What do I do if I see one? Let's talk a
4: little bit about how common those are. Vaccine reactions have not been common uh, lately. They are actually less common now as opposed to 20 years ago when I started. They're more common back then. There is a significant difference from horse to horse, and pharmaceutical company to pharmaceutical company, and the fact that one horse may react severely bad, as in sw- and fever, to a particular company's vaccine, but have no reaction to another one. Why is that? The vaccines are made with the killed virus most times, more times that than uh, a Modified Live is the other type of vaccine. They're made with a killed virus, and what that virus does is it needs to be driven into the immune system by something they call an adjuvant. It's the driver that helps boost that immune system. And that adjuvant is different from company to company. That's why they're so unique when they market their vaccines. That is usually the reason the horses react. So let's go down to reactions. You'll usually see, if you're going to get a reaction at all, fever, swelling in that area, and then the worst case scenario would be an abscess in the area. Only abscesses I see lately, sorry guys, are when the owners are given the vaccine. I, in 20 years, have never seen an abscess on a horse that I vaccinated, unless they went to a different vet, but I don't think so, because they're still all clients of mine from 20 years ago. But I have not seen a reaction from one that abscessed from one I gave. And I think it what is people? where they gave it and how they gave it. So
5: that's the difference. That's what makes the owners... Create abscesses is where they gave it, like on a dirty location or in the wrong part of the, the muscle? What? Both. Both, yes.
4: Okay. Yes. So clean the, most recent, in- the most recent one I have, and I've actually got video of it. We're trying to get it up on our website of us lancing it so people can see what it can come to, was one given between the muscle layers of the rear end of a horse. They never got it into the muscle. So this horse never got vaccinated because it never got into the bloodstream. And I don't say you give it IV or in the bloodstream, but it has to be in the muscle that can absorb up through the bloodstream the uh, vaccine in order to prompt the immune response. This one was given between the two muscles in what we call the fascial plane and sat in there, fester. And it took almost six weeks for it to come to the surface and pop out. And that horse was pretty lame and pretty ouchy. Ew. Yeah, and that was given by the owner, and the owner was videotaping it and goes, oh, so you want this doc so you can put it on your website and tell clients, don't vaccinate your own horses, let me do it. And I said, absolutely, this is a good reason. Yes, 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 yes. She's really good about the whole thing. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely, um, given in the wrong area can cause abscesses. Wow. This is, great. wow. This, is, yeah.
3: this is going to be a great video to see after breakfast.
4: Yeah, it's one yeah. those kind of like that it's largest there. zit video that's on the YouTube. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing, big pus pocket all flying out after we lance it, yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Well, I don't okay. know if you've seen the biggest okay. zit on YouTube, but there's one about the biggest zit on YouTube, and it's pretty disgusting.
5: Oh, yeah, I said um, the gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
4: kind
3: of happy to say I haven't seen
4: that one. <laughs> well, if you haven't lived, Christy, you got to see it.
3: <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go do a search as soon as we're done with the show. Um <laughs> So just, that, just for fun, how many of our readers um, on thehorse.com would you say, we, we did a poll on this, and just out of curiosity, how many do you think said that they have, have had a vaccine, vaccine reaction in one of their horses, or one or more of their horses?
4: Mm, I'd say less than
3: 50%. Jamie, what about you? Uh,
5: oh, wait. Uh, I'm sorry. I can barely hear you, so ask that question again.
3: I'm sorry, I'm, I'm right on the microphone, I promise, it must have a bad connection. <laughs> um, I just said, what, what, what would be your guess out of uh, readersonthehorse.com? How many of them do you think have a horse that has reacted to a vaccine?
5: Um, I would say, are we talk, we're not talking abscess, we're just talking, uh, uh, it could be it a swelling kind of reaction. Fact. I would say 80% because I have five horses and one of them reacts.
3: That's a good measure. Um, actually, Aaron, you're right. Um, you said under fifty percent it was actually forty eight, so it was very close.
4: Forty eight. Oh good. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, had recommend well, you a... that you try a different company vaccine on your horse, honestly, because I've had to do that with a couple of my clients and go through you know, there's three or four marketers of vaccines out there that you can go through and try their vaccine, each one on your horse and see which one has less
5: reaction. Do you right. have a brand recommendation, or can you not say? I don't think I should say here on on radio. <laughs> uh, and also, I'd have to call
4: them up immediately and ask them for some money for, uh, uh, for endorsing their product. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I'm just, just, just curious. We can talk on the side about that one. <laughs> there you go. Well,
3: just for fun, too, we had uh, the, about the same percentage of people, uh, also 48%, who said they do their own vaccines.
4: I believe that that's probably up. If we would have done this um, poll last year, I think that's up uh, from the last couple of years due to the economy. We see less vaccines appointments in my practice than we did in the last two years.
3: Sure. I'm We're still seeing the clients.
4: We're still seeing them for other things, you know, foot abscess or you know, occasional cough or something to affect, but they're all doing their own vaccines now.
3: Right. Now as far as which vaccines people are using, um, the most popular one among our readers, uh, the one the one that's most commonly given was tetanus uh, at 90%. Um, West Nile virus was actually right behind that at 89%. Um, uh-huh. And let's see, uh, Eastern, Western, Venezuelan, encephalomyelitis at 86%. And then they start going down a little bit more, flu at 74%, uh, rabies at 68%. And um, uh, equine herpes virus at sixty-five percent. So is that about what you what you'd recommend, or any any of the d- diseases kind of under protected against? <laughs> if, if
4: yeah, well, I, I'd I'd like to make a comment on the rabies percentage, and I believe the problem with that is when we when I first got out, you know, twenty years ago, was practicing. We didn't have a rabies vaccine for horses. We used the dog and cat one, so we really didn't know how much protection we were given the horse. Uh, but they felt that that it was doing a, a good job. So I think a lot of veterinarians were not on board with using the, va- the vaccine, the dog and cat vaccine, with horses.
5: So, so that one is was probably not as pushed as much. Is it a different vaccine or is it just a higher dose? Because, like, humans get rabies vaccines too. Are all of these different or is it just the kind of the killed virus in each one of them?
4: They're different in the way that they're driven into the immune system of the animal. And you have to consider rabies. And encephalitis is the other one. This probably rolls into another question you have, Christy, is that those can't really be tested because if you infect an animal with encephalitis or you infect an animal with rabies and, and test them to see if the vaccine... So let's see, you got a group of controls and a group of those that have had the vaccine and you infect them with the disease to see if they come down with it. You still have to clean those stalls. So you have people in there at a risk of getting hurt or infected or something like that, cleaning stalls on horses that have been infected with rabies and encephalitis, those are, those are public health concerns that don't allow us to easily track the abilities of vaccines. So uh, it makes it harder for them to test it on live animals except for our clinical experience, what we're doing out in the field. Does, does that make sense? That, that makes
7: sense, having personal I mean, experience with vaccine and not vaccine rabies horses. Um, so when you give a horse a rabies vaccine, because I know here in Kentucky um, rabies vaccine is sold over the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, it's not allowed. You have to, A vet has to administer the vaccine at all times. Um, yes. But there is available now a proper, quote, horse rabies vaccine. Yes, there is. Even yes, though is. that they still sell the, the dog one yes. to be given to horses, that's really not the ideal fit
4: situation because it is different yes and the horse vaccine is a one cc one mil dose and the okay. other dogs and cats one are the two ccs so they think doubling it up for the size of the animal is enough to prompt an immune response in the horse
7: but there's really no scientific data that says that it's just okay we're just going go applications
4: yeah yeah okay that's interesting okay and most horses I, uh, that get infected by rabies have never been vaccinated for rabies
7: okay Because I would recommend to people from personal experience, get your horse vaccinated for rabies and do it every single
4: year. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Because they don't want to have the disease because it's a horrible disease to watch a horse have. But secondly, nine times out of ten, the horses show up with a fever and you're putting your hands in their mouth by giving them an antibiotic and now you've just exposed yourself to rabies. Well, that's kind of the the storyline that I had in that the horse was
7: We thought exposed, the horse was exposed to a rabid animal, and there was nobody to see the exposure, so we Mm -hmm. didn't know if the horse, what the risk factor was. The horse Mm -hmm. was like two weeks past the due date of her rabies vaccine. Oh, my. But by the time I found out all this information, I had been exposed to the animal, and other people in my family had been exposed to the animal, not knowing all this, so it was kind of a freaky out, sweat your palms couple of weeks. Was not mm-hmm. worth it, including me. By the way, I was I'm one of those glad. other.
5: Oh.
7: oh no! Yeah, so that's that's one. Put that on your Road Apple applications. You know, get the and put the reminder to get the the rabies vaccine on there.
5: <laughs> I Absolutely. agree. I
7: Agree.
3: <laughs> I think we're all in agreement. All right, so I have a couple of questions. Uh, we're 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 going to play stump stump Jamie and Glenn just for a moment. Um, well, hopefully, we're not stumping. That you won't know. be hard. Um, <laughs> so we're going to start with a little bit easier one. Um, do, can you tell us? Do you know what a coggin's is?
6: Yes. Yes. It, yes. It's a board
5: oh,
3: what it is. <laughs> yes,
6: you can't just say yes. That's cheating.
5: <laughs> All right, Glenn, you want to go, or you want me to go?
6: Yeah, it's a piece of paper that horse husbands know that you have to have to go to horse shows.
4: <laughs> I love it. Well, that's right, it. isn't that's it? Awesome. I mean, I'm right. It's like it's a driver's license, right? right? It allows them to get
6: into the show. Exactly. And then we get blamed if you don't have it because you were supposed to bring it and we were supposed to know that you were supposed to have it. So you learn that very early on when you're a horse husband. You have to have that Coggins test and you're responsible even though you don't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, that was a good okay.
5: follow that up i mean i was going to give you the real answer but i can't follow that so you know <laughs> move on <laughs> well christy if you don't mind i'm going to share the story that i talked to you about earlier and me it's
4: do. uh it's um i had a client call me and you know he's an older gentleman he's been into horses just a little bit of time and uh he loves his pasture pets they're just pasture pets and he acquired two donkeys and he got them from some rescue place of some sort, uh, and he talked to me about coming out and getting the vaccines done. I said, great. I said, do they come with the Coggins? And he said, no, but I said, well, you really should have their Coggins done. And he said, well, you inoculated my other two horses for Coggins, so that, you know my horses should be fine. And I said, no, it's not a vaccine. It's a blood test, the test for an immune-deficient disease that is transferred by stable flies. So if you put two horses in the same pasture with your two horses, the flies will jump from one horse to the other very easily and transfer that disease. He, um, he got a little nervous and I was out there the next day pulling the Coggins. So
3: he, he thought it was actually a vaccine, not just a test to see if the horse had equine infectious anemia.
4: Exactly, exactly.
3: So that's why we threw that into the show. We want to make sure that that's clear for everybody. And it's and yes, Glenn, you're absolutely right. That paper is very, very important.
5: <laughs>
3: Trying <But laughs> to do what it was. Okay. So far, I knew question. that. You did. <laughs> you're awesome. Um, so I, need
6: to add, question, I need uh, to add that to uh, horse husbands 101 class, so though. That, that's a good point. I need to write that down.
5: Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> very good. All right, Christie. Uh, if next- we have time for one more. That's all I
3: got, so we're good. Um, What is a titer?
6: Do you know?
5: Uh, Glenn, do you have a funny answer for this one?
6: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nothing that I can say on the air.
5: Uh, (laughs) 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 Um, A titer would be, be, uh, like, to get a titer, say, if you're trying to see... Uh, okay, to get more specific, uh, there's a friend of mine is, has never vaccinated her horses for, I think, rhino because if she is to move down to Portugal or wherever she wants to go and move for their horses, they take blood titers to see if there's any of that vaccine rhino in her blood. Now, of course, it could be exposure or the vaccine, and so you check the titers, right, and that's that check their blood to see how much is in the system. Yes. Answer. Yeah. No, that's good, that's good. Basically, it shows how much
4: immune response the horse got from either exposure to the disease or the vaccine. The unfortunate side to it is that we have not created the levels, or, or not created, but studied the levels that are proper for a horse to have. So if somebody wants me to pull titers, which is a common question from my um homeopathic clientele, is they want titers pulled to see if their horse has enough protection for the encephalitis disease, especially here in Florida. There is nothing to say that 20, 200, or 2,000 is the cutoff. We don't have enough data to say your horse is fully protected. If it's zero, you can say it's not protected at all. But if it's 20, 200, 2,000, we really can't determine that that uh, is enough of a response for your particular horse to prompt a, a response if they were challenged with that disease, such as a mosquito bite to past encephalitis. So that's, uh, that. I just wanted to, clear, to clarify that titers are not commonly used yet in equine. If somebody wants to sponsor that, I'm sure there's plenty of internal medicine people who would love to have their foundation money <laughs> to uh, research that.
6: And there's another answer. There's another answer for titers, and that is, oh. it's a Christmas answer, actually, because you're eating a whole lot of cookies this time of year, and your jeans just don't fit because oh. they're tighter.
5: Uh, <laughs> okay. That's All right, we got here, guys. You should have uh, ended. You should have ended with the yellow piece of paper, Glenn.
6: <laughs> I know. I know. It would have been much better.
5: Well, thank well, Jay-
4: you, Jamie. Jamie, I'd like to just throw in that my Briar Vet um, female Briar Vet could probably take care of your man of war horse any day of the week. So, if you want to send uh, over your Briar horses, my female Briar Vet could probably vaccinate them for you.
5: You know what, I'll take him over in my briar horsey uh, hospital, uh, my briar horse trailer, and drive him on down to Florida.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. You know, Dr. Jones, what's what's, what's funny is you could probably make more money nationally uh, repairing briar horses than what you're currently doing.
5: I agree. I probably could. (laughs) Or get kicked either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely
6: wouldn't get bit or kicked. (laughs) thank you christy thank you dr jones both uh, from thehorse.com we appreciate you guys being on with us every week and educating us into the ways of horse health and and you you definitely are doing that for me because being a horse husband i i just learn uh, the only thing i know is what i hear so so it's been a big help and and we appreciate you being on with us
1: well there you go we would like like to thank, once again, Kentucky Performance Products for supporting today's podcast. You can find Kentucky Performance Products supplements at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can visit them online at kppusa.com. To listen to more of the Horse.com's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and look for the experts drop-down menu on the left. And if you love listening to the Horses in the Morning Gang putting in their two cents on horse health topics you can listen every weekday morning at horsesinthemorning.com and now you can have every single one of your favorite horse radio network shows with you wherever you go when you download the free app for iphone or android just go to your app store and search for horse radio network